Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. This is John Massengale. I'm in the studio in Austin, Texas. And I got Jonathan Green over Zoom in New Zealand. Jonathan, where are you in New Zealand this time? I didn't even ask. Well, don't be fooled by the background. This is the this is the last race background, uh, but I just like the, the shot. It's a really nice shot. That's Highlands behind me. Uh, I'm currently in Auckland, just landed in Auckland, having been down on the south part of the North Island. So we've got one more race on the North Island, so that make three races in the North Island. Uh, and we're going to Hampton Downs, the site of the Grand Prix last year. And then uh, over the next two weeks, so we've got three rounds left, uh, we're going to the South Island, Christchurch, and then the place behind me, Highlands Motorsport Park in Queenstown. Okay. Well, that is the Formula Regional Oceana Championship, right? Am I? Is it Frock? Yes, CT Frock, as we call because it, it's the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceana Championship. These, it's a bit these, of a map. These names are going to be an interesting season in formula one much less trying to keep up with what you're go what you got going on but hey let me well, talk about what we're doing tonight johnny green we got uh a great show because we got daytona happened today of course the rolex 24 hours at daytona oh. and we have a driver guest we have a gtd winner philip ellis and we're going to have him on the show here in just a few minutes i did a live i did a recorded interview with him about i don't know hour or so ago and we're going to talk all about Roger Penske and the team winning for the overall win for the first time since 1969. And I watched, I don't know, at least eight or 10 hours of the Rolex. It was pretty darn good as usual. And we, of course, Jonathan's down in New Zealand. We're going to talk all about those future superstars of motorsports that in the Toyota series down there. And there were two huge announcements in Formula One, the contract extensions of two of the top drivers maybe if you had to rank them the top the next two in line after max verstappen um and we're also going to talk about the new street circuit that was announced in formula one and maybe a few other stories but we're going to start with the toyota series with you jonathan you want to we're not quite halfway through that right no uh it's five rounds in all with two rounds in so effectively the next round next week this weekend next weekend that is uh will be the halfway point at race two at the end of race two uh 15 races in all three at each venue yeah so it's it's that's what i like about it it's it it really you know you've got very different tracks uh in different parts of the country different weather we had a lot of rain this weekend um and so we're, we're challenging these boys and they're getting their miles in for sure in total they do over three thousand kilometers so it truly is a full season in five weeks which is what makes it uh so intense well, and I know why you were saying, wait, this week, next week, because it's Monday where you are now, right? Yeah. So it is this I'm week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And uh, you have, you got a couple of clips from some of these young drivers, don't you? Yep. Yeah, um, the, the drivers I want you to focus on uh, is one from England with a Polish license. He was born in Poland, but uh, races in England and has grown up in England, so he sounds English, but he, he is Polish, uh, called Roman Belinsky, and he has been uh, the man of the moment. He um, leads the championship after two rounds. Um, he's got a couple of wins under his belt, uh, but he's been the most consistent so far. Uh, and the other uh, guy is Christian Mansell, who actually those two have been good friends and rivals in Formula 4 in England. Christian Mansell is a... Um, Australian driver in FIA F3 and in fact this is his this was his last round because he's going back to do simulator work and to do the FIA test 
four out of three in Bahrain. So he's not going to do the rest of the series, but he finished on a high, took a win, and also took the Tasman Trophy, which is just a trophy that's uh, historically played out between the Kiwis and the Australians. Okay, I think Casey's got these queued up for us. So let's uh, let's hear the interview you did with Roman Belinsky. Well, what a day, what a weekend. Uh, you've come out on top, which is what matters, but uh, we, boy, we threw everything at you this weekend. <laughs> a bit of everything, really. Um, I, I mean, we were a bit unlucky in race two. We had the mechanical, but I mean, the team's done a great job and uh, to be back out and to win in race three, it's a great feeling. Absolutely so happy. I bet you're glad your rival's going home because <laughs> he's uh, pushing you. No, to be honest, it, it's, uh, it's nice, but also he's pushed me and I, I think that's what you want to see. Okay. Uh, not just me, but the fans and it's good for us to be pushed. And no, it's a shame Christian's going back, to be honest, because also he's a great friend of mine. So uh, we may have had this rivalry, but no, it, it is very good. That's nice words. Uh, let's just let the audience in on a little secret. Not only was it wet, not only was there no grip, but your bloody helmet was dysfunctioning at one point. What uh, happened? It just, uh, I don't really know. Maybe <laughs> I didn't tighten the bolt enough. Uh, we know Steelo make a great helmet, no, no, let's be fair. Exactly. <laughs> you can see the bolt inside. Yeah. Uh, for sure, uh, I think I didn't tighten it enough, but uh, no, great job by the team and thank you to everyone. We're halfway, or we're getting to the halfway point coming up at Hampton. Feeling good? Uh, feeling ready. Let's see what happens. Well done. <laughs> I can't help but think about looking at these young, fresh faces about all the drivers that have come through that we've had on the show. Because I remember Lando was the, he was just like that. He was an awkward, quiet, goofy kid, wasn't he? Yeah. And you know, it's funny, actually. Uh, I, I did a radio show here in New Zealand just before we came to air. And they were asking me, hey, is anybody dominated like this kid, Roman Belinsky, that you just heard from um, in, in the 12 years that you've been coming down here? And I said, you know, the only one I can think of that had had such a great start to his campaign was Lando Norris. Um, and of course, he finished that off and, and dominated the whole season. Now, whether Roman does that, I don't know. He certainly odds on to do it. So, yeah, watch that name. And what was his, you know, what's his track record before this? I mean, I know there's also young, they don't have much of a record. Yeah, he, he actually came to motor racing quite late. His mother was involved uh, in PR and uh, in Formula One um, back in the day with Rothmans. Um, but he got to racing in England with uh, Ginettas. So he did some tin top racing and then he, jo then he joined Formula Four. So he's done a, one season of Formula Four, which he was up against... Christian Mansell, that's who he was talking about, his friend, and they've been literally racing side by side most of the uh, six races so far. Uh, and then he moved to Freco. We've got CT Frock and now Freco, Formula <laughs> Regional European by Alpine. So there you go, European Championship by Alpine. So that's the European Formula Regional Championship, and he's going back to do his second season with Trident Motorsport uh, in Freco. All right, well, I know we got a couple of Americans, we got a Texan down there, don't we? Yeah, we've got a couple of Texas. We've got uh, three, in fact. We've got Titus Sherlock from Prosper in Texas. Oh, yeah. We've got Benia from San Antonio. And we've got Jet Bowling from Dallas, Texas. Wow. Okay. And you've got an interview with Titus, right? Yeah. This was during the weekend. All right. Let's hear from Titus Sherlock. Well, Titus Sherlock, what a great start to the weekend. I know it's only a test, but uh, you seem to come to grips with that pretty quick. 
Yeah, it was good. Very positive. Uh, track is, is difficult, but I got on top of it pretty quick and the car was good. So it's a good start. Is it a track that suits you perhaps more than Topo or is it just, just another track? <laughs> it's just another track, I guess, but I have more experience now. I'm more used to the car and I felt like I was able to get up to speed faster and still improvements to be made, but it's been a good start. Yeah, I, I need to remind folks that this is your first time with this particular car and chassis. Um, what, if anything, are you working on that you still need to kind of get your head around? Uh, it's a bit different of a technique to drive in the F4. In the F4, you really need to carry more speed, where in this, you need to get it pointed out so you can get on power. So it's a bit of a different uh, technique, but getting used to it. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we can continue the weekend like that. We just drove down from Topol here, down all the way down here. Beautiful countryside. Very, yeah, the lake was, was beautiful and the roads were nice and uh, curvy, so it was fun. All right, we'll see you next test. Thank you. All right. Uh, what are you smiling at? Titus was uh, runner-up in the F4 Championship uh, this year to Patrick Woods-Toth, who's his teammate down in New Zealand. So, you know, he's got good, good pedigree, but this is his first time in this much more powerful Formula Regional car. So doing well after six races. All right. And uh, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, obviously these guys, this is a great ladder like you talk about. It's get a whole season in five weeks. Do you see uh, any, ever anybody down there um scouting these guys um yeah they kind of do it um from afar if i'm if i'm blatantly honest but yes uh for example uh callum hedge who's now going to be in indy lights this year who was runner-up in the championship last year the kiwi and then went on to the u.s and won the formula regional championship in the u.s will be um in hmd uh, for indy next this year and he's managed by one of the team managers down here and a guy called Steve Horn, who used to run an IndyCar team down here. So, yes, they, they have kept their eye on him. Uh, we've also got a, a guy looking after one of the Brazilians who's going to bring the F4 Brazilian champion next year. Uh, and he has been part of the careers of drivers like um, Mateus List and uh, Felipe Massa. So some, some big names. And also, like Kiwi Motorsport, have uh, brought an ex-Formula 1 driver in Martin Donnelly. Donnelly was a ran in the 90s and had a very successful junior career, but then had a massive smash in testing at Jerez, uh, which ended his Formula One career. But he was, at the time, one of, one of the top drivers. So he's now a driver coach down here. So there's, there's always somebody floating around. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, like I said, the likes of Andretti and Ganassi are watching from, from afar. We've actually got uh, Bryce Aaron coming down, another American coming down, and Jacob Abel. So I reckon Michael Andretti will be keeping a watchful eye on the series. Mm, yeah, that's so. I, and you never know who's wandering through the the paddock at an event at those kind of events, you know. Well, we're on yeah, and we're on motorsport.tv worldwide on the internet, so you can go there and look at the repeats, and you can see what what's going on in the championship and watch the highlights as well. So you can get an, an, an you know an idea. Um, yeah. But it's interesting, you know, Belinsky, who you just heard from, he's already picked up a local sponsor. They said, oh, they saw the first round and went, OK, we'll put our money on this guy because obviously it's live on uh, Sky Sport here in the in the uh, in New Zealand. So he's getting a lot of airtime. Nice. All right. We got a couple more. We got time for at least one more. Uh, who do you want? We got uh... I think Christian Mansell's the one to look at because he's now leaving and he was one of the favorites and he he won one of the races and picked up the like i said the tasman trophy up against the new zealanders yeah. well christian we finally saw the rivalry we wanted with your good friend roman uh you've raced each other around the world and, and again have put on a great show for us in very tough conditions extremely tough condition uh, i mean 
at the beginning I thought, you know, uh, we don't really have the pace because the tires just felt really, really slippery. And then all of a sudden it just switched on. And then I was like, oh, right, okay. And then it was like two tenths a lap, three tenths a lap, four tenths a lap, five tenths a lap. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, right, okay, we're, we're on. And then I got close and then the spray was just too much. Like I couldn't get close at all. I couldn't see him. I couldn't see where I was driving. I went through an entire stack of tear offs to get rid of everything, which is 10. So I was just for two laps, I was just doing this, but I know, it, was, it was what it was. I would have loved to have won the race, but more importantly, just safety wise, we were able to just bring it home. And I'm glad that they called it off because it was far too wet. Yeah, and you know, there's not too many trophies that are, that are as special as a man who's proud to be from Australia, the Tasman Trophy, which some of the greats from Australia have won in the past. You've got to be proud of that. Very, very. It's nice to come away with that, especially going overseas now. I'm very, very pleased to have that in my pocket. Well done again. Uh, we'll miss you. Good luck in the test. Thank you very much. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I think you could say that about yeah, everyone. One of these. Stay tuned. Let's see how they do. And by the way, no, no relation to the other Mansell. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he gets that question, right? I bet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get a quick break in. And when we come back, we're going to talk Rolex 24. And we have our interview coming up after this. Your Sunday Night with Speed City continues after these messages. All right, let's check out the YouTubes. Mike Moles is here. David Lawrence, I'm going to talk about you in a second, David. And Bill Ricker, all right, everybody, round of applause. He's actually on time. He's always He always steps in with 10 minutes to go and then has to back it up. Andy P is here. Hey, Andy, happy Sunday to you, too. Kevin Kelly's here. He's a happy man. He's got his driver for a few more years. Yeah, Andy P is. And everybody's here. Wesman is here. So, um I want to talk about David Lawrence because he tweeted at us and he had a <laughs> he had a run in with uh, Eddie Cheever and he was asking Ooh. for Eddie Cheever Jr. And he says, uh, hey, Eddie, can I get a photo? And Eddie looked at it and said, do you know who I am? In other words, if you if you can if you can name my name, I'll give you a photo. And apparently David knew. So nice job, David. Good looking photo. Nice smile. Is there, that buddy. the kid, not his dad? No, that that's Eddie Cheever, the original. Uh, yeah, but I guess he. Okay. Did I say? Let me look and go back on this. All right, we're coming back already. That was fast. No, it's not Junior. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to your Sunday Night with Speed City, the Rolex 24 at Daytona this weekend. And it was, I don't know, I was going to say fantastic because I just loved it. I got to watch probably, all right, so yesterday I watched from the start until about straight through till about nine. So what's that, eight hours-ish, almost nine? <laughs> and then today I watched from 7.30 till the finish, so... I mean, that's like another five hours. So I watched over half of it, if not a little more than that. And Sounds like you didn't do honeydews. I did not do. Actually, I did do one honeydew because one of them was my wife's mother's birthday. And we went to her house and they want to watch because my son is a mechanic. So they, they now watch racing. Ah, yeah, so we sat on the sofa and yeah. watched racing all day. Oh, nice excuse. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. So I, I ticked off two boxes there. 
<laughs> I'm just watching Junior, honey. I'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah. And the my son's team, the McLaren uh, team, the number 70 car, they did, they did good. They, they, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but they, you will get awarded points throughout the season for where you are at a halfway point and certain points during a 24 hour race. And so they were leading the race at the halfway mark at midnight, Austin time last night. So that was big, but they had, I hope it's okay for me to tell this because I was texting back and forth with my son and I said, what happened? Cause they, they had a mechanical problem and he said they had a starter go bad. And I just texted him back. I laughed. I said, did you hit it with a hammer? Because if you're even a shade tree mechanic, that is the first thing you do when you have a starter problem is you whack it with a hammer because the, the, the wiring can get stuck on a dead spot and you just whack it with a hammer and it'll spin it a little bit and it'll start. And he laughed. He texted me back and said, he said, LOL, yes, we did. Still a no-go. So I thought that was funny. And he, <laughs> he said the, the other McLaren, which uh, Hinch was driving in, they had two problems. And, uh, they had, and they, in fact, I don't know, maybe the second time they stopped, he said they had a st the same exact problem. So if you're thinking about running a seven G seven twenty GT three <laughs> in any series, change the starter before any race. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but yeah, the race was great. This was great. In fact, let's go ahead and start with this interview that we did because we caught up with GTT class winner, Philip Ellis. He was with the Mercedes AMG GT3 team. So uh, let's hear from him. All right, Gearheads, we're really excited. We have a class winner at the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Rolex. We have Philip Ellis. Philip, welcome to Speed City. Thank you very much, John. First of all, congratulations on the class win. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, It's been amazing. Uh, quite incredible, I have to say. Still uh, sinking in. Well, uh, how do you feel? Are you appropriately exhausted? Uh, not really. I think I'll, I'll feel it tonight when I hit my bed, but um, at the moment, I, I'm just hungry, to be honest. Hungry and thirsty. I was checking Twitter a while ago, and several of the drivers, I think it was Pat Ward said, all he tweeted was, I need a burger. And I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what our plan is with the team as well. We're just waiting for the guys, like, in the back here, still packing up just a little, and uh, just waiting for them to finish up, and then we head out to the burger bar. Well, I promise I won't keep you too long, but we're really excited to have you on the show. Thank and you. I mean, it looked like just a fantastic weekend. The weather was held. It, it, you know, it's been cold there not too long ago, but this year was pretty warm, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. So uh, actually last week, so the, basically the qualifying weekend or the war, as we call it, it was very cold. Uh, I think we just hit about uh, 35 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, not quite the nice weather we want to have. Um, and now this weekend, I have to say, it was quite nice. Um, so a bit nicer for the spectators, not necessarily nicer for us in the car. Uh, it does get quite warm. But, uh, yeah, it's perfect weather. Nice nice and sunny out here, so can't complain. Well, let's talk about the racing. You guys were in that gorgeous number 57 Mercedes. And, you know, that GTD, GTD class, I don't know how many different leaders in that class that I saw. You guys uh, did a fantastic job, obviously, to win the class. Tell me about your racing. Yeah, look, I think uh, our class, the GTD, so there's another one with GT class, the GTD Pro, uh, but we race in GTD. Um, I think it's probably the most competitive one. We definitely have the highest car count. And uh, so the highest car count means the most pros in it as well. And especially at the end of the race, the most 
uh, plays and strategy. Uh, you can be lucky, you can be unlucky. Sometimes stupid things will catch you out, like a crash. Um, actually, this race uh, happened to be the Lexus stopping 50 minutes before the end in pit lane. Um, so you either had the lucky uh, draw and you just made it out or you were stuck behind him. So uh, all those kind of things happen. And, uh, you know, in such a big field as we had, I think, 25 cars in our class, sometimes it's just the luck is not on, on your hand. And uh, other days you have it, like we had this time. Um, I have to say the, the team executed flawlessly. Uh, but of course, you need a good car and they need it as well uh, to do the job. So, yeah. Well, I saw... I saw your car after the race and it looked like every one of them, it looked like it had been through a war, like they always do after 24 hours. Yep. Yep, but yep. did you, did you guys have any issues? Did you have to replace anything that you, that you weren't expecting or during the race? No, to be honest, it was a very, well, I'm not going to say easy, but a very almost close to perfect 24 hour race. Uh, we have, well, it looks like we've been through war, but uh, compared to all the other cars, we barely have a scratch on the car. So, uh, the only thing we really picked up was rubber from other cars. And then uh, the only thing we had to replace, which is actually quite the usual thing, is uh, we did a brake change uh, just over halfway through the race. Just to have better brakes at the end compared to our competitors. Uh, some teams choose not to do it. Um, that's the only thing we actually had to change on the car. So I have to say a close to perfect 24-hour race was. Well, I saw the Ferrari came in right behind you guys, two and a half, 2.7 yep. seconds behind you guys. And and like you said, that is such a competitive class. I I was actually following it really close because my son's a mechanic for the McLaren team. So I was I was following your class very closely, yep. and you guys kept popping up. So it it looked like you guys, like you said, almost ran a flawless race. Definitely, I think um, especially once the sun came down on uh, Saturday evening, uh, we really started to come alive, and uh, suddenly started leading the race uh, multiple times and multiple hours in a row. Um, I think that's when we figured out. I think we have a really good car underneath us, and it usually was uh, was right after or at the end of the end of the stint uh, usually, and um, that's what we try to take advantage of. You know, uh, some cars were strong early on in the stint. Uh, usually destroy the tires a bit early, so we tried to manage the most we could without losing track position, and then had a good car at the end. Mm. So did you get any? Did you get a nap? Did you get any sleep in the twenty four hours? I think altogether might have been two hours, so uh, no, not too much, but uh, just about two hours more than usual. So, uh, no, uh, we usually don't really get to sleep that much. Uh, also, when you get out of the car, you're still full of adrenaline, so it's hard to fall asleep or just rest and not try to follow the race, what the other co pilots are doing in the car. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the usual thing, you know, when, when you're here, you're just under so much tension and uh, all that and probably falls down tonight. Well, I, I know you guys are uh, ready to get going, so I won't keep you any longer, but uh, congratulations and thank you for coming on the show and uh, wish the best of luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks so very much for having me, John. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, good guy and uh, gorgeous Mercedes AMG, like every one of those race cars. Jonathan, did I know you were on the airplane most of the afternoon and stuff, but you didn't happen to see the, the end of the Rolex 24, did you? No, I unfortunately didn't. It was it was just before I got up this morning. Uh, they they threw the checkered flag. Uh, I mean, what it looked like to me, a lap early, because nope, oh, no. no. I mean, I I think technically no. In fact, maybe some of the guys on YouTube watching right now can help me out because I started getting. I was prepping for the show right then. In fact, 
I immediately had to jump on and do this interview. But um, but I mean, the checkered flag, they were they were saying basically, OK, we're going to get ready. Oh, the checkered flag is out. And I mean, it was it was surprising to me. I mean, it caught me completely off guard. And I was like and uh, and several of the in fact, they were showing the Penske team. They had a camera in the in the truck and all the drivers were like, did we win? Did we not win? What happened? And then they, it took them, you know, another minute or so, and everybody started celebrating. It was very awkward. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be disaster. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, some of the state owners have gone to the last lap. Yep. Well, I mean, hey, it was. It was only a six-and-a-half-second uh, victory, Jonathan. So, yeah. And by there the by the way, I did look up the 1969, the last time – that Penske won overall, right? Because they're saying it was 55 years. And because I was thinking, I wonder what the the gap to second was. The gap to second was uh, something like, I wrote it down in my notes and then and left them on my dresser. Uh, I think it was like 25 laps. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like ah. two, and, two and a half seconds or 25 seconds. It was two and a half laps. So yeah, that was back in the old days where half the cars didn't finish. And I think we had, if I'm not mistaken, I think we had 19 DNFs at this week, I mean, at this year. So um, it was also uh, it was also plenty of DNFs. I'm just going through uh, some of the comments here. We'll go over here at the break. But what else from the Rolex caught my eye? Um, uh, you know, there weren't that many big crashes or delays. I mean, there was... A handful. There's quite a few at the start, and there was a couple that. Yeah, the first now I saw that. Yeah. Crash. Yep, and there was there was definitely some that that made some uh, made some difference in the race, but um, but I tell you the the Porsche and the Cadillac they appear to be in the GTP they appear to be completely evenly matched. I mean, it was literally just down to the brakes, down to the you know the timing, and coming out of pit on time. And but it was uh, it was a great race to watch, Jonathan. I don't know how much you ever go back and get to watch them again, but uh, but we should remind people that, of course, most of those cats are coming in September to Circle of the Americas. That's right. We got wet coming here. It is what uh, Labor Day? Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think it's Labor Day. Go to the Dakota's website and check it out. But hopefully, we're going to be on the microphones. I haven't even talked to them, but we probably will. But yeah, um, Bloomquist was no, didn't do a, a three-peat, and uh, Felipe Nasser, I thought we were going to get him on the show, but I think he had way too many commitments because I sat and waited for him for about 45 minutes, and they said, man, he's not going to make it. So, uh, But he looked great. We had, six, we had six drivers that have all competed in the, in the series uh, here in uh, New Zealand, uh, and one of which was the father of one of the guys racing this year, Lacorte. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yep. Well, I love some of the stats that I, I took, snapped a photo. It was 32 countries across six continents for the Rolex. 69 drivers with a Roller, Rolex 24 class win. 13 IndyCar championships. And I think most of those were on the one team. Four Indianapolis 500 champions. 163 IndyCar race wins. 26 Formula One race car wins. One Formula One championship, Jensen Button. And 38 WEC championships. I thought that was a pretty cool. How did Jensen go? Um, he had he had a problem, and in fact, 
how did they finish? Somebody help me out. But um, no, I, I closed my tab that had all my all the winners. But but yeah, he did not. Have a... I tell you what, Penske though, what a bloody. I mean, God. Yeah. So hang on, Penske have won Daytona. They won the Indy Championship with New, you know with Newgarden, and they won uh, in NASCAR. I know. And Joseph Newgarden not... in the same year is a Rolex twenty four hours winner and an Indy five hundred winner in the same. 365 days so pretty amazing it was pretty cool it's pretty funny when they uh when joseph newgarden and the rest of the guys caught up with nasser they, they all you know how they all jump on the car and ride around to the celebration it, it was like yeah. a, it was like a bunch of 12 year old kids they were so ecstatic <laughs> it was fantastic actually all right, I'm looking at the clock. Let's get a quick break in. And when we come back, we're going to talk some Formula One. You're listening to Sunday Night with Speed City. Back up to this. All right, David Lawrence is helping me out. Jensen ended up third. Did he? I don't know why I thought that they had an issue. Yeah, Jensen and, and uh, David Who Lawrence. Button? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, Andy P says too. <laughs> Drew says, I'm on a hunger strike until the garage 56 NASCAR races again. <laughs> uh, You're going to lose a lot of weight. Yeah. Oh, Jensen's. Oh, they did. So, Andy, they had some trouble, huh? Jensen's teammate figured out how to reboot the car during the night because it, it went dead and then suddenly came back to life. I did hear them talk about that. Yeah. Man, I will tell you one thing is that I was texting with a buddy. The NBC, the Peacock coverage, oh, my God. It was painful to watch because of the number of commercials. And the closer it got to the end, I hate to – I'm just being blunt. I ended up watching it on IMSA TV because I figured out a way to do that. And uh, it was great because I had them both up, actually, uh, because I wanted to hear the NBC guys talking too. But, man, it was crazy. And the people on Twitter were just that's, – that's, that's how they pay towns in the big bucks. I guess so, man. But it was honestly, it was rough. It was hard to watch. It really was. Well, unfortunately, and of course, your viewing now has changed um, because we're getting used to watching live streams. And you know, uh, you've got to put your adverts in the live stream. You, you know, you can't go to three minute breaks every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm paying for what I call what they call Peacock Premium, but I don't know if there's another level up. But anyway, it was. It was kind of annoying. What do they do? Send you some feathers for that? <laughs> I don't know. All the guys are trying to help me out. David Lawrence says leaders didn't get the white flag. That's what it was. Didn't go white flag. Ah. That, yeah, but after leaders started, the white flag started flying from the flag stand. Next thing, checker flag came out. Yep. All right, we're coming back. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Thank you, Mr. Hobbs. I remember where we got that interview, that little clip from David Hobbs. We were standing right inside the doorway in the media center at Coda, looking out at the paddock. I don't know what year that was, 2016, 17. A couple of the guys on YouTube are helping me out. They said... Um, Talking about that crazy ending to the Rolex broadcast. Drew says the broadcast said two laps left, and then the checkered flag was waving 
two thousandths of a second later. And Andy, Andy P on YouTube says, I don't think it affected the results. I think that's what I was thinking, but man, it, it felt, it felt weird. And a lot of the teams were had the same issue, but uh, let's move on to F1 guys. Um, in fact, before we go to the two driver contracts, Drew on YouTube says, what's up with the Chicago Grand Prix trademark stuff? And I saw that over the weekend and I meant to try to, dig into it officially, but I, I saw some website and I clicked it and it looked like one of those information services where you can go see who's filed what, and it looked legit. Now, I'm not going to spread rumors until I can learn some more about this, but Jonathan, you may not even heard this, but no, they, I haven't. What's, what's what, they're, what they're saying was that they were registered some trademarks. I forgot what they were. Were they trademarks or were they... There was something that said Formula One Chicago Grand Prix, and they Ooh. looked and they registered a whole bunch of them. Yeah, you have you have the right facial expression. It's like, whoa. So, well, it wouldn't be too odd if GM were there. What do you mean? You well, mean Chicago, Detroit, not very far okay, away. Okay, okay, but... yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, it would. Uh, it, I I wouldn't put it past. So. But it was it was really interesting. Well, I tell you what, they could also be thinking about in that uh, obviously the success. I mean, it, it poured with rain and Shane Van Gisbergen won, but obviously that street setup in Chicago is going to be used again. They like it, and and it's big enough where you could have a Formula One street circuit, which wouldn't affect Miami, wouldn't affect Vegas. They're very different is what I'm getting at. This is a typical downtown street circuit that, that, that NASCAR use. So you could either use it before or after or amalgamate a Formula One NASCAR weekend. Now, that would be fun. Mm, yeah. Well, it started to propagate to several of the bigger websites now. I'm looking on autoweek.com, and it says Formula One takes first step towards Chicago Grand Prix. It says Formula One has registered several trademarks for a race in Chicago, including Formula One Grand Prix of Chicago, Grand Prix of Chicago, Chicago Grand Prix, Formula One Chicago Grand Prix, all names registered last week. Now it says, while well, wow. trade, trade, trademark names can be registered without commitment to the, any event, of course, just like, you know, yeah. buying a domain name or whatever. And somebody's probably already bought all those, but it says that the move could be the first steps towards another U.S. race. Uh, F1 race. So very interesting, right? Very cool. Yeah. Well, we shall that, see. That, that does throw the, the, the cat amongst the pigeons in that, you know, could we sustain four? Gunter was one that believed we could. I remember that. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting that. Yeah. And when I think of that, I think of the momentum that F1 has, right. And it, Last year, it leveled off. If you go back and look at the, you remember my spreadsheet, I, I, I stopped, uh, I need to fill in the last couple of races for last year, but essentially the growth was flat from 22 to 23 on ESPN. But, Nerd alert! but if you, <laughs> but if you look <laughs> at the, if you look at what happened, of course, with Max Verstappen winning virtually everything in Red Bull, you know, you can chalk a lot of it up to that. Um, but, I think that a movie done by Jerry Brick, uh, Brock, what's his name? Brockheimer? Brookheimer. And yep. starring Brad Pitt 
will probably move the needle, I think, a little bit, boys. And you know they were there at Daytona, right, Jonathan? Yeah, they were filming, weren't they? Yeah, they were filming. So so basically they're saying that what what as part of the sort of Formula One, you know, he gets the Formula One, but at some point he goes and does ten, Daytona, yeah. Right, yeah, it's Bruckheimer, by the way, I'm remembering it. But yes, they, they said- Gary they, Bruckheimer. Yeah, they said that the, the Daytona was part of the plot, or maybe, the, maybe an endurance race, but it was part of the- Part of the way that the retired driver that Brad Pitt plays was coming back to Formula One somehow. I don't know. Maybe he needed to get some super license points or something, but I, I don't know. But my point is, is that we've got all this momentum, and I think that will be a nice little steroid injection to Formula One audience to grow the audience of having a, a Brad Pitt movie uh, oh, talking yeah. about Formula One. So I think that can't hurt. But let's talk about the two contracts, Jonathan. So they both came out yeah. within 48 hours of each other this week. I think it was Thursday and Friday. So Charles Leclerc signed his Ferrari contract extension. What do you think, my friend? I think it's important to Ferrari that they keep him um, because I've often thought that he could jump because um, he's had enough. And I don't think he sees a world championship anytime soon. And in my opinion, he is the most talented driver uh, outside of Verstappen. And I don't know if he's more talented than Verstappen because at the moment, Verstappen's got the better car. I'd love to see them go head-to-head in Red Bull. Um, and, and, and of course, if Hamilton had retired early, um, there was a possibility, I suppose, that he could have gone to Mercedes. Um, but, you know, the way he goes and, and rails on the team almost every week about the decisions that they make you know i mean he's still young um but at the same time although it would be a dream for a monarch ass to win with ferrari there's just such a synergy um and, you know he grew up watching the street races he he the first to admit that but is is he is he back in the right horse you know um ferrari go through these spells where you know, they either win everything like they did with Schumacher or they win nothing for 29 years. I remember <laughs> when I was involved in Formula One, you know, they went years without a Formula One championship. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think you're right. I agree that I think it's it's good. And, you know, the Achilles heel for Leclerc, he's been amazing in qualifying and he's just not had the best race conversion, of course, last year, especially. Uh, but I agree that he's a fantastic driver. And what do you think about what do you think about my opinion earlier, where I say that if you had to name the top three drivers, with yeah, I'm I'm with you. I th- I don't know who else I would put above them. I mean, no, those three: Lando Norris, uh, Charles Leclerc, and for me, uh, Max Verstappen. Yeah, uh, are the best drivers in Formula One. Um, and just going, I, I also thought it was interesting reading about that contract he he extended his current track yeah. contract he didn't like uh lando um sign a new contract and i think that's really important he intonated it's a multi-year deal but i would have thought that that would mean it's year on year and also is it just gives him an out if there is an opportunity that he feels where he can get you know if, if the team aren't performing he can still potentially jump ship and I think that's a smart move by Leclerc and his management, if that's if that's how I read it, um, because an extension is usually year on year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do you think about Lando's the uh, the signing? Lando's in a different position. Lando's younger; he's twenty four. 
Um, I think he's found home in McLaren for lots of different reasons. Uh, growing up as a Brit, um, you know, McLaren was the almighty team um, uh, for many years, especially in his informative years when he was growing up. Um, and I think, think they see in um, him the new Hamilton. And look at McLaren of where they come from, from those Alonso Hamilton days, uh, or at least, uh, you know, when they started going downhill um, with the Honda engine and Alonso was there. Um, you know, I, I just think that, that, that now with Zach and the new setup with Stella, I think it's a stellar setup. And I think that <laughs> committing to both Lando and Oscar Piastri is, you know, is right up there with Leclerc and Sainz. I would put that pairing almost on an equal footing in terms of, sure, the McLaren pairing is a little younger, but no less uh, skillful. And I think Piastri will be helped by Lando. And I think he also showed Lando that he's got a far set of wheels himself and could show Lando a few tricks too. So I think really exciting times for Andy P and, uh, and McLaren. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, America's uh, greatest McLaren F1 fan. But I was thinking about, you said it before I was thinking it is that you've got Zach Brown and Zach Brown is the best in formula one at what he does is and that's promoting that team. And I, I think you could pretty easily say he's the best at that. And you can argue with me if you want. 37 American sponsors. Oh, yeah. yeah. The the level of sponsorship that they have generated. And honestly, nobody was was more relieved than Zach Brown when they started doing well because he's brought on all these sponsors. Right. And, you know, he's telling them, hey, we're going to get better. We're going to get better. And but I think you think that Stella I was I was saying that obviously what Stella is doing is working. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to say how much credit you can give him specifically because he came on in, what, 22? So he's been there a year, right? He, yeah. he came on in the beginning of the season, so two full years. But they've also got new guys that have been out of their teams for a while, too, that are starting to take positions. So, you know, they're moving forward with some very skillful guys. I think they've got somebody from Alpine and they've got somebody from Mercedes recently. Yeah. I mean, I just think that all cylinders are clicking for or firing for McLaren. And honestly, I don't, you feel like if you had to pick for next year or for this year, I should say, is that behind Red Bull, if you're going to choose them first, McLaren has got to be, you know, if not the favorite for second, you know, uh, a certainly. I would say they're going to push Ferrari all the way. And I think teams like, like Alpine um, and Aston Martin are, are going to take points off both those two teams. But I think for the battle for second, it's going to be Ferrari versus McLaren. Yeah. Well, and if you listen to what Toto said, he said, it feels like a car for the first time in two years as he expressed hope for Nick for this year. So I keep calling it next year because we haven't started the season. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, I no. So I didn't even mention Mercedes in that in that sentence. Uh, the jury's still out as to whether this twenty four car will be as good. But that combination of the three of those teams will be an almighty battle. And you know, look, you know, the, the rainbows don't happen every day. You never and, and seasons like twenty three don't happen for Red Bull every day. That it only needs the odd mechanical failure, which they haven't had. Cross fingers uh and a couple of bad days at the office and the the championship will be open and we'll see also if Verstappen could take the pressure of a full season of, of, of real competition yeah it's funny you say that i was looking at about a, a mechanical failure for red bull i was looking at felipe nazar's uh, formula one record today 
and I noticed all the DNFs, and I was like, we just don't have those hardly in Formula One anymore right yeah. now. In this, you know, that with this mature power power unit platform right now, we just don't have any any failures right now. It's pretty interesting. But all right, let's get our last break in, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little more Formula One and and whatever else we want coming up after this. Man, we're back on YouTube here, and I can't keep up with everybody. Um, wait, I forgot. Andy P., you're in Chicago, aren't you? Holy mackerel. That would be. What's he saying? Uh, he's just talking about it. He just says, um, he says, I've got some different ideas on how to organize as, and, and as it's interesting that football team is looking to build a new stadium. All right, Andy, I can't remember your podcast outlap outlap podcast so y'all have to go see what andy p says about chicago on his podcast uh he says charles and lando can both be the alphas on their respective team lando has embraced the leadership role man doesn't he he's like a different person lando he's like a fully grown up adult (laughs) Mm. he's he's excited uh drew is stirring up the pot in here what did he say? Oh, Liam Lawson deserves a seat somewhere. Yeah, he did. What else did Drew say? Now oh, we're coming back fast. I'm going to stay with YouTube on the radio, so since we're not on Sirius. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. I'm going through all the comments on YouTube, and I can't even keep up with them, all the discussion. And, you know, Jonathan, I was thinking about stuff. I've been watching how other creators, as people call themselves these days, do all sorts of things. They do Patreon, and they do, like, I was watching one, and they were bringing on live onto the YouTube show, on their live YouTube show, somebody from the audience. And I thought we could do stuff like that. We could do Patreon. We could do... Um, what's patreon patreon is a platform where you can support your favorite creator and yeah it's a casey it's a way to make money as uh and we haven't tried to do any of that you can you know people can click on the, the dollar button on youtube and all this stuff but it's just ways that people grow their platforms and grow their their exposure but i mean you, we've got you think this useful charm and good looks will help us make money well that's why i was thinking maybe we could bring some of our audience in like David Lawrence has a nice they're smile. The same age as us. Yeah, no, they're not. There's like David Lawrence has saw his Twitter. He's he's a young dude with a good looking smile. So uh, I'm sure. And Andy's a lot younger than us too. So we'll see. Um, but we can't bring on um, uh, Paul because Paul is, is just as old as us. But anyway, yeah, but he's funnier, funnier than both of us. He's funnier <laughs> than both of us. You're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, but uh, but yeah, we're we, we're going to look into some of that stuff, but. All right, Jonathan, let's talk about the new street circuit uh, that was announced. What do you think? What's your thoughts there? Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, you just mentioned Chicago. So we're talking Madrid, of course. Uh, Barcelona has been a staple for uh, the Spanish um, Grand Prix for many a year. Um, but there, there is some method. Um, look, uh, if I'm being totally cynical, before Alonso came on, uh, Formula One was not that big a deal. Um, but Spain. then Alonso lit it up, and the Spain, Spanish started getting it. Spain has always been MotoGP and bike culture, yeah? 
So yeah. when Alonso came along and Pedro de la Rosa and a few others, uh, you know, Roberto Mary, uh, there, there's now a strong contingent of Spanish racing and single-seater racing um, as well. And so I, if, if, you, if I'm being cynical, I want to say that while, while Alonso's still going strong, it's a good time to have, you know, a big city like Madrid maybe juxtaposed like they do in Germany with, you know, how I have done in the past with Italy and Germany, having a couple of Grand Prix, you know, one one year and then one the next year. So I don't think they'll get rid of Barcelona, but Madrid would be a great ad. Mm, yeah. And of course, it's not 100% street circuit. They're gonna, It's going to be a mix, right? Yeah. I think that's what I read. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, the first, here's a bit of tri- trivia for you. The first ever uh, race or Formula One race used to be around Montju, which was around the streets of Barcelona. So there you go. How was that first race, Jonathan? I, I was there. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was in the 70s. I wasn't that young. I wasn't that old. Uh, well, but actually, it was a pretty cool circuit, actually. Yeah. Well, I was just looking at this article by Chris Medland and. Uh... By the way, I was talking to Chris, and we're uh, we're getting him all booked up for. I think he's going to be able to do twenty. What we got twenty four this year, right? Twenty four F one races, and I think he's going to be able to do twenty one with us. So we are getting the band back together. So Good. we'll see how that goes, and lots of discussion about the national platform that we our national radio shows are on, as they say, on another network, and um, the guys are talking about it on YouTube. And they're talking about the NASCAR channel has been gutted, they're saying. So I have to look into that. I haven't, I didn't see that. But anyway, the guy's like, coming to Coda. Yep. Yep. And we got some happenings coming up at Coda. We got MotoGP. Hey, I've got a good story for you. Yeah. So you know the phenom that is Shane Van Gisbergen. Yeah. Well, he'll obviously be doing uh, NASCAR this, this, uh, this year. Uh, And of course, one in Chicago, but he's now getting into it full swing, right? Yeah. Well, he's good friends with my co-commentator here in New Zealand. And, and the little tinker was sitting there in North Carolina sending us lines to put into the show. <laughs> you said, hey, I'll take it. And, and stuff that made no sense, like rear-wheel rear altercation with the gearbox. Or Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I, another story that I want to talk about. Speaking of Las Vegas, you mentioned, is that a class action lawsuit has been filed against Formula One on behalf of 35,000 fans who were told to leave the practice. Of course, we knew that, right? But there's also another... Pretty big courtroom for that. Well, yeah, but, you know, that that one, I, I don't know. It was not good, right? It was not good. But um, some of the businesses have decided to sue, asking for a, a essentially a financial remedy, they're saying, after heavy losses, after Formula One um, road closures. Now, we went through a lot of this here in Austin. It was a little different, though, because it wasn't a street circuit. The the businesses were upset because their doors didn't get, you know, they, they didn't get uh, inundated like some of the businesses. And I remember I remember you specifically talking about it. It's like, hey, did you did you advertise on Speed City? Did you advertise anywhere? Did you tell anybody or did you just open your doors that weekend? And, yeah, expect them to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and it didn't happen for some of them. And the ones that did advertised a bunch but this is a little bit different so this is they're saying that the roads were closed and and it caused a bunch of problems so i thought about this and you I, know, thought- I i i think six of one half a dozen of the other i think there is a right that some of them well first of all it's like like we said that the expectation of the world 
world coming to Las Vegas and all these, you know, high rollers coming in and spending lots of money. You know, it's it's not quite as you might see it that way because actually the average Formula One fan is pretty, pretty, pretty normal. And the high rollers, you know, kind of go to Monaco. They don't go to, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and any high roller was capped captured by the big hotels and the big restaurants. And those were all booked out for, you know, special paid parties, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the, the big guys got their money, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but the little liquor store on the side of the road, let's say, that was closed off and there was one right outside my door. Yeah, uh, mine too. Was, I know the one you're talking about. Home. Yep. Right, yep. right, right by, by you at Flamingo. Yeah, that's the sort of place that probably wouldn't have got the run, the, the walk traffic that they normally or, or expected to get uh, because of the way the roads were. So, um, yeah, I get it. Yeah, there was, and there was like that one in particular. The roads were a nightmare for them, but there was a a ton of foot traffic walking right in front of those. So it just depends on where you were, and it's there's no way it's going to work for everybody. I mean, it's a street circuit. They're going to have to shut some of those businesses out. It's you know I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with that, but but I, you know, John, you're absolutely. Right. You said it earlier on Austin Learn the Hard Way. You've got to market it. You can't just sit back and wait for everybody coming inside just because the city is putting on an event. No, you've got to you've got to say we've got a special on this Formula One special and coming coming in, you know, half price on whatever. You know, you've got to get in the spirit. Yeah. Andy P says Vegas is polarizing from the folks on the ground. I know who were there that locals either loved or hated it. I remember my Uber driver. Um he said, it's a pain in the butt. He said, but he made a ton of money. And he actually liked the bridge. He said the bridge, one of the bridges that they built cut out some of the stoplights for him, or one of the stoplights, he said. So, and I'll tell you what, when we were walking around, I said this, I think, last last year, one of our last shows last year, but everybody was buying T-shirts. And those people weren't the, you know, it wasn't the the high roller crowd that I'm talking about. There, there were people everywhere and everybody bought T-shirts, and so it was a very popular event. And I mean, look, it's it's you're never going to make everybody happy for on one of these things. Hundred percent. No, you're way. absolutely right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I was just looking at some of the other comments. Um, <laughs> Joy of Oyster Bay of Oyster Bay was talking about some of our like. Um, ideas. He said, we could call it YouTube after dark. I don't know if what he's, if he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know if he's talking about uh, our Patreon ideas or what, but anyway, we're almost out of time. Um, Johnny Green, what are we looking for for next week for the, the uh, New Zealand series? Well, I'll give you a, an update at the halfway mark, and hopefully I've got some interviews with some more of the Americans to give you some profile on these guys, but they're all going good. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Patrick Woods-Toth, the F4 champion of America, will have a breakout moment because there's a lot of uh, people thinking he's the real deal. Um, and uh, like I said, we'll roll on. It goes race to race to race. So we're, we're back at the track in two days. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, however you did it, on the radio and YouTube or Facebook. And if you did it on one of those platforms, tell somebody about it. Give us a like. And whatever else you're supposed to do, hit notifications. I'm, I'm going to get better at all this stuff. But thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night.